every decision I make, I'm going to make that decision as a Christian. Or every decision I make, I'm going to make that decision as a follower of Christ. One action. Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It 99. Here with another episode, part four of our Coptic Life series, or five, one of them. Um, we have a very special guest today, Mr. Mina Hanna. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, man. Honored to be here. You're one of our first guests. Um, if you want to go back and watch that. I think I was your second. second you, were, you were the second guest, yeah. Second third episode. Guest. If you want to watch that, it's up there. Mm. Um, Who's your first? George. First is the worst. Second is the best. <laughs> I mean, you know, Mina, I just wanted to say, because I've, I've been saying this on the podcast a lot, but I just wanted to tell you, you know, thank you for everything you've done for this podcast. Um, you've done a lot. I don't think you I've realize done anything. you've done it. I mean, you're the reason how we got our second episode recorded. Uh, you helped us improve for the third one. Um, the equipment you're using now, you gave to me for free. Um, the reason how we were able to record the first forty something episodes was because you, you know, you let me use a, a subscription for free. So that you've done a, you've done a good bit. So Thanks, I appreciate man. the support. Uh, it means a lot, and we'll just get started. So. It's good to me. Yeah, you good? Man? I'm good. All right. My first question for you is, um, what does it mean for you to be like Coptic Orthodox? Oh wow. Uh, what does it mean? Uh, I mean, to make the like the words face your face. Is it like face. like turn it upwards? Like a little ear rape for your. I see. I got. It. Oh, words face my face. So put them down. Oh, okay. Is that better? Yeah. There we go, Mina. Oh, okay. I thought it was like the ones like. Not sure. No. Uh, so what does it mean? Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's a that's a tough question. What does it mean to be Coptic Orthodox? Uh, I think it's. I mean, it doesn't really boil down to what does it mean to be Coptic Orthodox. It's more of what is it, what does it mean to. I mean, what does Coptic Orthodox mean, right? It's just a sect of Christianity, pre-denominational Christianity. So what does it mean to live out a life in a pre-denominational way, following the Alexandrian right? Right. That's the big, uh, broader way of asking what you ask me and to me i mean that's kind of just living by what christ taught us what the father what is it it's like christ preached apostles preserves and the fathers passed down whatever i probably butchered that but something along those lines apostles passed down fathers preserved sure yeah so that yeah so uh, that that's what it means to me right because if i had to break down your question and assign meaning to every word you just said so what does it mean to be coptic orthodox so what does it mean to be what is coptic orthodoxy is i'm just living the way i don't want to say uh, that christ intended the church to live yeah and i think as coptic orthodox christians sometimes we like you know lose sight of that and we forget that um i like how you use like pre pre-denominational like we are before all that you know all the politics and stuff that goes that happened and it's just kind of a testament to like who we really are um and i think that un- the un- like how the church doesn't change is very vital to you know kind of like our everyday lives so mm-hmm. i mean now you're you know 24 25 something like that you're out of college or working um so what is it like in the working world being a coptic orthodox christian versus just like a normal guy uh, you know, honestly, I'd say it's not too far off from being uh, in school. Like you're going to face the same types of challenges. You might face them a different way or a different like light, but you're going to face the same uh, like types of challenges that you did in school and I did in school and everyone did. Right. Because 
you transition from being in school like what's something that you might face in school like whatever peer pressure or i don't know whatever something you're gonna face that same thing right it's not the fact that you're in school that you're facing peer pressure it's the fact that you're surrounded by other people who have different ideal ideology or different ways of thinking and they're more open or maybe more bold about it or maybe because it's more socially acceptable they're talking about it and then you have people like us who maybe go against the norm or in a smaller you know in a big minority if that makes sense big minority but a very slim uh portion of how people think so you're going to get those same types of challenges with the peer pressure you're going to get the same type of challenges of like how do i be bold about what i believe in without coming off and seeming too arrogant or seeming like everyone else is less than me not that i think that just you know it's the same it's the same it's just a different way of doing it. i think in, once you get into work people are a little bit more professional uh like i feel like <clears throat> shouldn't be like this or maybe it isn't like this but in college you can say whatever you want do whatever you want there might not be a lot of repercussions but in work you know everyone is uh you know more professional there's a little bit sense of professionalism they can't just say what they want they can't just do what they want without you know coming off or even getting in trouble so kind of like going through college like there's obviously a lot of challenges um in general with college and then obviously like being coptic orthodox is there anything like specific that you faced or was it kind of just like just like not really i mean like i, I don't want to take away from i know you're doing a th- series on being coptic orthodox but i don't want to take away from that but same time it's nothing specific to being coptic it's nothing specific yeah, yeah. to being orthodox it's specific to being a follower of christ like that's where everything comes and i mean you being in high school you'll know better than me that especially when you go to college you're going to see a wide array of people from all the way and i'm not talking about politically but like left to right like very very far spectrum of how people think so i mean it's nothing specific to being coptic orthodox it's just a matter of i live a certain life based on what christ taught and i would say the majority of the world doesn't yeah i I agree with you like the majority of the world doesn't i think that that alienates us by nature and i think that feeling of alienation a lot of times can get can get to you and they can kind of you know make you almost like rethink how you live and kind of like want to start to fit in so how do you kind of like how do you fight against that feeling of just wanting to fit in yeah i mean so i think what what the church offers right not what god offers but the church offers one of the greatest thing the church offers is community and that community we're lucky enough we live in america at a point in time where you can go just about to any big city and you're going to find a large or a large enough or a decent size coptic community so how to help with that alienation or how to help with that feeling of loss number one thing i'd say is finding that community that you have and i think i mean like you might not experience this yet but like people graduate school and then they move to a different city for work and then they get to work and they only know people at work and it's a big big thing about loneliness and like all they do is work and that's why you see people who are workaholics and I see people who go to work Saturday, Sunday, because they have nothing else to do. And they don't know people. You know, they're not as fortunate as us to have community. They're not as fortunate as us to, you know, see other people that are like-minded or even, you know, have like things going on that where they can just go and interact and be social with people. So that's the number one thing is, is community. And it's a great thing that we have community with people that were, you know, like-minded, but and also challenge yourself to think why somebody else thinking this you know what kind of you know there's a benefit to interacting with people who think differently than you yeah and i think a lot of us in high school like within the coptic church like 
we kind of take that for granted. Um, like that sense of community and a lot of us um, at some point in our life try to kind of like break away and almost like a sense of rebellion try to like yeah. seek other communities. Mm-hmm. So what is your advice to, you know, like the rest of us that are kind of trying to keep these people like in the church? To people who, well, my advice to somebody who was trying to get somebody who left church to come back to church? Yeah, basically, yeah. Well, I, first off, uh, there's nothing wrong with having an extended community. And there's nothing wrong with having um, people, like being close to people that are outside of your community. But like, you know, it's a quote somewhere, but Nate always says it. You're like, you're the average of your five closest friends or five whatever closest people. So if you're, the, if you're hanging out with people that don't share your ideas, that don't believe the same things that you believe, that don't have the same morals that you have and have different priorities in you, you by default are going to become like those people. So, you know, yes, I think everyone should have friends outside of church. Because if you don't have friends outside of church, then the church becomes for you, by you. That's it. Nobody, the church will never grow. The church will only be for the church. And it's not a matter of like, oh, I'm going to hang out with people with a slick intent of bringing them in. But everyone should be able to be in a situation where what they believe in can be challenged by other people and that they can back it up. If anyone asks a question and it can't be answered, then... There's no reason in believing what you believe in, right? If somebody can put your, pull your faith apart and, then, you know, they can't put it back together, that's a good indication of, you know, maybe this is not what I believe in. That's what we believe as Christians. That's why we believe in the whole, especially as Orthodox people, that this whole idea of mystery, right? So while we might not have a direct answer, we have this overarching, some people think of it as a cop-out, overarching idea that, you know, there's something, someone bigger than me that is doing things bigger than me. And, you know, to answer your question, how do I bring these people back in? Like I said, everyone desires community. And I think naturally people desire community with people that they are aligned with or that they have, uh, like, either background with or, or cultural, uh, like, alignment with. And, like, it's not always going to be, like, uh, you know, standing on the street saying, like, Jesus is coming or that, that type of approach. I don't think that type of approach will ever work of saying, like, you know, what you're doing is wrong and you need to come back. I don't think it'll ever work. I think it's more like, number one, let me build a relationship with this person socially or however you might want to do it academically, whatever it might be. And then me being a light of the world, like God will do the rest. So it's not a matter of, I need to show you what you're doing wrong and I need to tell you everything you're doing wrong and and you're not going to enjoy your life. might be true. It, It might be true that they hate their life and they're depressed and everything they're doing is wrong, whatever it might be. Not to say that you can't be depressed or whatever because you're Christian, but, you know, it might be true that their life sucks and they know it, but it's never, that brute force is never going to work. That coming down and yelling in somebody's face and showing them why they're wrong, even if they are wrong, will never work. Ever, ever, ever. So Yeah, and I, I agree 100%, and I think that a lot of times as Coptic youth, like, we're, we're always stuck on the two extremes, I feel like. Um, which is like very not orthodox. Orthodoxy is the middle path. And a lot of times we're either like really in people's faces about it or we're just so passive that we don't say mm-hmm. anything, we don't do anything. You know, we have this idea that you just let people do what they want. Yeah, you don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. yeah. So in, in finding that balance is very, very hard. I think especially for me specifically, um, with just what I do um, in my personality, like it's very hard for me to kind of tone it back and find where that middle ground is. So what are some tips on kind of, you know, 
bringing like bringing that back or pushing more a little bit yeah so first off i think everybody is different so i'm not saying you but everybody that you might interact with is going to be different so everybody that you know you might meet somebody who hates church and will never open the bible and doesn't care about anything but is still willing to have a conversation with you about anything besides church you having that conversation with that person is still a ministry in a way you having that conversation and allowing that person into your life is a ministry of showing you know who you are and what what it means to be a true christian or a true image of god so you know like i said every everyone's different so there's you know there's different ways whereas you know somebody that you might be more comfortable than you know in your whole life and you know you might be able to sit them down and be firm with them and say dude what are you doing like you're you're dumb you know or vice versa same thing i like me like serving sunday school I, I can talk to people different ways based on my relationship with them. And and maybe you guys know, but the more close I am with you, the more physical and the more like uh, abrasive I'll be with you. You know, the more uh, comfortable I am with you, the more firm I am with you. Whereas somebody who I don't know is close, you know, I, I take it slower. I take it uh, easy with them until I get to know them. Then I'm, you know, so uh, everyone is different. And having a relationship with that person is the number one step. Having a relationship with that person is the number one step. You cannot gain anybody. You cannot convince anybody of anything until you're able to converse with them and see where they're coming from. And I think a big, big thing is say, you know, if I'm talking to somebody and they have the exact opposite uh, ideology or reasoning of what I'm saying, why are they saying that? And how do I understand their perspective? Instead of saying, okay, great, that's all wrong. You know, like a wise person will be able to see somebody who's saying something and say, okay, why are you saying that? Where are you coming from? You know? And that's not to say that that devalues your truth. If anything, that's helping you more like uh, settle your case or get, get along what you're saying. Like truth is truth. Nothing will change that. You know, what happened the past 2000 years, what's been written down, all that stuff can never change no matter what any, you know, this is not like science or this is not like, uh, you know, some discovery that's evolving. What happened happened. And whatever was going on 2,000 years ago in the church and all that good stuff, still relevant today. It's not something that's outdated. None, none of that stuff gets outdated. So truth is truth. And understanding somebody's perspective or viewing how somebody thinks is only an advantage to yourself. You know, because if you, if you are calm and collected and actually let somebody be heard, I feel like you'll get more across to them than saying like, no, you're wrong. You know? Yeah. And I think even in my personal life, like, you know, recently, like I've had a lot of conversations with people. Um, like when it comes to, you know, faith and, and like politics and dogma and all this stuff. And the ve a very common theme is that there's something that I, like I realize is that every single time someone asks a question, there's a person asking the question. And I think a lot of times we always want to answer the question instead of answer the person. And I think answering the person is so important because, you know, they're asking the question like for a reason. There's a why behind it. It's not just because they, sometimes it is just because they want to know, mm -hmm. but a lot of times there's an, you know, ulterior reason to it. And I think when you kind of like what you're saying, when you understand that reason, when you understand that perspective that the person is asking that question from, you know, that lens that they're asking it from, you can understand more, you know, why they think the way they think and how to approach that and apply that to, you know, different conversations or to, you know, direct the conversation in a way that will lead them to be more perceptive to what you want to think. Yeah, I agree.
I mean, understanding why somebody's asking something or where they're coming from is the number. Like if I was a salesperson and I went up to somebody random on the street, I would be less successful than if I was a salesperson. Not saying like Christianity is sales, but I would be less successful than if I knew that person. Or I mean, that's why we have tailored ads. That's why, you know, people, companies sell data and then they, you know, give us ads based off that data. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, the same way there's a great book by Malcolm Gladwell um, called The Tipping Point. And in the book, he discusses, you know, different types of people and what they mean to make something go viral, basically mm -hmm. make a social epidemic. And you can take that same principle of, you know, the types of people there are and how they play into that. And again, not like that Christianity is selling something or making it, it's not a social epidemic, but you can apply those same principles to Christianity and how it spreads. And, you know, it's kind of like when St. Paul says, like, everyone has a role, right? There are people who, you know, aren't experts in one thing. There's people who, you know, are really good communicators. There's people who, you know, all these different roles. And I think each of us have to fulfill that role in the body of Christ to fully, you know, experience growth in the church. And I think the biggest issue that we're, not the biggest, this, one of the biggest issues we're dealing with today, specifically as a Coptic Orthodox Church, but Christianity in general, in general really, is evangelism and it's not that you know like you said it's not that going out on the street and saying like jesus is coming but it's like really getting people to come to church by developing relationship with them through god and i think especially as high schoolers and as college kids that it's something that we really struggle with because i think a lot of times it's so hard to come to terms with ourselves and what we believe that it's hard for us to kind of extend that out to other people um, so what are your thoughts kind of on, you know, how to kind of accept your own, accept your own identity in Christ so that you're able to kind of portray that to others? Well, I think the first thing is you have to believe it. So you have to understand that whether you agree with everything or whether you understand everything or not, that there's, if there's some truth, there's all truth. There's no such thing as like, you know, half truth. Either it's all true or, you know, it's all bogus. Either he like rose from the dead on the third day and he uh, raised Lazarus and he healed a blind man or, or none of it exists, you know? So you have to really anchor yourself in saying, this is what's true and nothing is going to, going to waver, waver that. And then that, then that opens up the, uh, um, the personal quest of saying, or the personal like journey of saying, how do I, how do I embody that? Or how do I live that myself? And then I think the rest is kind of natural, right? So if I were to take all those commands of Jesus, if I was to take all those things and do them, I think it will come naturally when I interact with people. I think that, right, that if I'm the light of the world, right, and the city that I set on a hill can, cannot hide, right? So, and what does that end with? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And then what? Glorify your father is in heaven. Yeah, not you. Not say, oh, this guy's such a great guy, but the glory will go to God. So if you do good and if you follow all his commandments, and if you live a life according to what he lied out to you, then naturally a city that is set on a hill or a lamp that is will not be hidden, you know? Naturally, your light or his light through you will not be hidden. And then everyone will see your good works and then glorify your father. Nothing to do with you, but glorify your father's name. Is that yeah, answer your question? Good. It's a great answer. And I, I've heard this, like, obviously, you say this every single day in the Ekbeya, but, you know, it's also, you know, people say, like, we're a vessel for Christ, right? Like when you drink water from a cup, you know, you notice the water. You don't really mm -hmm. notice the cup, yeah. right? Like you're not tasting the cup, you know? So 
in the same way, like we're the cup for Christ to others, right? We're just the vehicle. And I think that when we take this role of being the vehicle and take that humility, which I think is extremely important, um, that we're able to really live out that life. You know, if we take this idea that we are just, you know, we're nothing, you know, we yeah. are the vehicle for Christ. We're just there so Christ can use us, you know, for his, for his will and for his glory. Then that em- empowers us to kind of take everything off ourselves and just be like, everything we have is for you. And I think that's very powerful. And it's something that I personally have really struggled with. And I think that a lot of Coptic youth struggle with and or Christian youth in general struggle with is kind of not like giving up your life for Christ and going to live in the desert, mm-hmm. but just making everything centered around Christ and purpose, purposing everything in your life for Christ. I think that is so hard. Um, so how have you kind of dealt with that? Yeah, so that's a, that's a hard thing, right? So I think it's natural for people to compartmentalize. Pronounce that right. So it's, it's natural for people to come to church on Sunday morning and act like a Christian because it's easy to come to church on Sunday when everyone else is acting like a Christian or everybody, whatever, and act like a Christian. But so the number one thing would be to I guess, remove the boundaries or say every decision I make may be potentially, I'm going to make it as if I was in church or whatever the logistical might be. You know, every decision I make, I'm going to make that decision as a Christian or every decision I make, I'm going to make the decision as a follower of Christ. So every decision I make has to, you know, coincide with what he's saying or coincide with what he would want. It's the same thing, right? Christ describes himself as what to us, you know? I don't want to put you in the spot. I mean, a lot of things. Oh, okay. <laughs> Relationally, a bridegroom, right? So he, he described himself to us. It was a broad question. I know. But he described himself to us as a bridegroom. So he's, he's indicating that we're in some sort of relationship or some sort of, of uh, lifelong commitment or, or marriage, right? Same way, uh, like if your dad or your mom or whatever decides, hey, I'm going to go, whatever, go on vacation for two weeks. How far would your dad get in that vacation or would he even be able to go on that vacation without telling your mom? Yeah, not far at all. Yeah. <laughs> you probably wouldn't even be able to book, you know? So it's the same thing. Like I can't do anything without thinking like n- no one in a relationship or in a marriage can do anything without thinking of, of their spouse. I, if I want to accept Christ calling me his bridegroom and I want to be united with him in that true marriage, then I can't do anything without considering him. I can't do anything without bringing it up to him. You see what I'm saying? So it all goes back to that personal relationship, right? The same thing, St. Mary, we, we venerate her. Why? Because she's the mother of God and she did the physical thing that we're called to do, which is, which is bear God. For one second, when she was pregnant with, with Jesus, she couldn't say, yeah, I'm not pregnant today. I'm going to go have some sushi and uh, some wine. She could never do that when she was pregnant with him. She, was, she bore him unconditionally and nonstop for nine months. And that's why we venerate her. And that's why we say all those things, salvation of Adam, uh, the grace of God, all that stuff. It's not because she is that. It's because her bearing God is the same thing that uh, Elisha did when he bore God. And that's how he got the grace or Elisha, whatever. That's how he got the grace or that's whatever it might be. So that's what we're, we're called to do is to bear God or, or join in that bridegroom. And there's probably a million different uh, analogies of relationships that we're called to do. And it's, it's a full-time thing. So going back to the more practical side, going to work or going to school or whatever it might be, it, it's difficult without a little bit of boldness to carry that out. It's like, it's like you, you, imagine if you were dating a girl 
and you were like embarrassed if you're dating her or you're married and you're embarrassed or like if you went to work you took off your ring and you know you didn't have any pictures of her at like work or and you, no you never talked about her how would that girl feel i don't know if you know horribly <laughs> very very badly okay and she'd never let you hear the end of it it's the same thing right like i have to have a little bit of it's uh, sad to say but we have to have a little bit of boldness or a little bit of courage or a little bit of pride in the fact that who i'm following like where i'm going is is eternal you know what i'm gonna do is eternal and and i believe regardless of what anyone else says or regardless of anyone else believes and i'm not trying to diminish anybody else but what i believe is truth and it's the fullness of truth and this is what's going to get me through everything like everybody's life sucks it doesn't doesn't matter what you do or everybody's gonna have problems in their life but what's gonna get you through that is who you decide to take in your life the whole, full time i'm talking about like your wife i'm talking about what kind of things you decide to do full time you decide to do you know drugs to fill the void you decide to do whatever whatever it might be you know a long list tiktok whatever it might be what you decide what you do to go through or what you decide to use to cope and get through this stuff is what's going to define you as a Christian. That's what's going to make the difference. So going into work every day or going into school or whatever it might be and being ashamed or, or not being, I'm not saying you have to like, you know, wear a huge cross and whatever, go to church in your twinia, but like, or go to school <laughs> in your twinia, but like, sorry, you know, you shouldn't be ashamed or you shouldn't be afraid to bring it up. You know, I, like you've been there and I've been there. It comes up naturally. Yeah. Right. Those conversations come up naturally. It's up to you how far you want to take them or if you want to brush them off or whatever it might be. Like that stuff comes up naturally. So like it's up to you how bold or how courageous or how proud you want to be of it. And that's going to make the difference. And I think that, you know, that like being proud of, of who you are in this world has become sort of like a distortion. I think a lot of people are proud of the wrong things. And a lot of people, um, I mean, people that I know personally, you know, are proud of drug, d doing drugs yeah. or proud of, like they'll talk about it openly, mm -hmm. right? And then you have people who, you know, follow Christ and live a godly life and it, you know, they get called lame or they get called like losers. Yeah. I and mean, I know I do all the time. And it's, it's weird because, you know, people are always taught to, you know, express yourself and express what you believe in and, you know, all these different movements that we have, but the second that Christianity is brought up, all of a sudden, all that stuff doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it is in high school. I, I Believe it or not, I graduated high school like nine years ago or eight years ago. So, but I know in college and maybe when you get older, like I know we feel like if I say truly who I am, people are going to think less of me. People are going to, um, you know, talk down to me just because I'm Christian. But I mean, majority, I'm not just like, I'm not whatever if you had this happen to you, you had this happen to you but majority of the time if you're proud of who you are people are going to respect that and if, if if you show who you are people are not gonna be like oh my gosh he's one of those like majority of the time people are gonna respect that actually like that's what's in now right that's what's right? respecting people's opinions what like you know i could come out and say i'm a lizard people have to respect that you know so yeah some people don't respect the fact that i'm a christian and they respect everything but that fact but majority of people i'd say would respect that decision or that you know me being straightforward about how i live my life or no i'm sorry i don't i don't do drugs you don't have to be like i don't do drugs because i'm a christian no i don't do that and i think that's all you need to say and if somebody presses you and asks you more then you can say oh i don't do that because xyz i don't want to be a slave to anything you know yeah and i i agree and i think like you said like 
you know, when you're straightforward, when you're upfront, people notice that and people notice that you're not scared to be a Christian. And I think, you know, that's something that the Coptic church throughout its history. That's one of the most defining, like one of the most defining factors about it is this, the lack of fear. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're the, I mean, another name for our church is the church of the martyrs or the mm-hmm. church of the persecution. Um, because that's just what, that's just what life is as a Coptic, um, you know, as it has been for, for thousands of years and as it still even is in Egypt, which you'll see later in the series. Sorry, Mina. Um, I just had a plug, man. I had a plug. Um, <laughs> but in a lot of times, like, you know, we take for granted the fact that we live in a country where being persecuted for your beliefs, for the most part, only goes as far as like, if, if someone really disrespects it to like, just verbally say something, to right. it, which obviously is not okay. And it's not right. But you know, we have the blessing of not having to live in constant fear. Um, and I think that's it, kind of a calling for us to be bold and to be, you know, upright about what we believe in. And I think a lot of times, you know, because of social pressure or whatever, like a lot of Coptic youth, and myself included sometimes, we just kind of feel like, you know, like what's the point? Um, so what are your thoughts on that question? If, you know, questioning myself, like what's the point? What do you mean like that? Like, like if I, you know, am thinking about like, you know, what's the point in me continuing being Christian and living this different life and, you know, being different from everyone else? Like, why can't I just, you know, just not do that? Like, what's in it for me, kind of? Well, first off, I'm going to go back to the analogy of any relationship. If you were to enter any relationship and say, what's in it for me? That relationship is destined to fail. But yes. Destined to fail. And I don't have a, like elaborate answer or anything. I just always think of this. Uh, quote by C.S. Lewis. You know what I'm about to say? Like I don't know what you're about to say. But, uh, just but it's a famous quote. But he's saying like, if I'm a, if I die, and Christianity is fake, then I lose nothing because I'm dead. But if I die and Christianity is real and I didn't live my life as a Christian, then I lost everything. You know? So it's almost like too high value or too high risk for me not to care. You know? And I can say the same thing as being like difference difference of Christianities. Like why should I as a Christian uh, partake of communion? Or why should I as a Christian do all, like go to church for a long time? I could say the same thing. Like if you die and none of that stuff mattered, what do you lose? But if you die and all that stuff mattered, you know, you lose everything. Yeah. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I agree hundred percent. I think, you know, that's a very good question to ask. And I think, um, like C.S. Lewis said it really well, it's, you, you always have to think of, you know, like, I think a lot of times in normal situations in life, we think of what's the worst possible scenario, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times in, you know, you hear motivational speakers be like, what's the worst thing that can happen if you take this decision, right? It's just whatever, like, what's the worst thing that happen if you, if you ask a question, you just don't get an answer. And same type of thing, like, what's the worst thing that can happen if you believe in Christianity? It's not real. Right? That's the yeah. worst possible thing that can happen. What do you have to lose? Like, what you have to gain is so much more. Like, what do you have yeah. to lose? Maybe a couple hours every Sunday. You know, what do you have to gain? Everything. And, it, it, like, even if you don't, if you don't believe in that afterlife. Okay. What do you have to gain on this life? A lot. It, like, you have you have some sort of explanation of why things go crazy in your life if you believe in this higher power. You have some sort of relief or peace or whatever it might be, even if it's not real and you believe in yourself. You know? You know what I'm trying to say? I'm not trying to say, like, it's a hoax and that's why, like, but, you know, 
every, you're going to get something out of it. What like, whether it's real or not, that's what I'm trying to say. Like whether it's community, whatever it might be, like the gain is way more than, than the loss. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of times like we hear like, you know, if you're a Christian, like you will endure suffering and it's just true. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're not, everyone's going to suffer. Everyone's going to go through something, but there are positives. And I think a lot of times we don't really look at that and we look past that because a lot of times as, as human beings in general, we want people to sympathize and empathize with us. We want people to feel what we feel. Yeah. And a lot of times we, you know, play up situations worse than they actually are. Um, but a lot of times we have to take the humble approach and look at our life and be like, we have so much, right? Like one of the most beautiful exercises you can do is just like being grateful, you know, having like a gratitude journal and just writing down one thing a day, what you're thankful for. Cause real quickly, I mean, you'll realize the list doesn't really end mm-hmm. things. Just you can write from right at this second till the day you die to the second you die and just nonstop, write Things yeah. you're thankful for and you will not run out of things. So I think as Christians, a lot of times, you know, we talk about, or, you know, how much our life sucks, you know, how much the world sucks and all this, but it's like, there's just so much more good than there is bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all perspective, you know, your life can suck compared to somebody else's, but there's somebody who might be in a worse situation to you to who your life is amazing. And it's up to you how positive you want your life to be. You know, I, I think I see a lot of people who don't only see the negative or only see how much life sucks and they never look at the positive lining. They never look at the positive things, the positive part of things. And I think that's Christianity in a whole is understanding the positive, you know, always looking for it, right? We look for the resurrection dead and the life to come. So what might suck here might have nothing to do with, with what's to come or might have what happens like all the like the sickness the what grief sorrow groaning all that stuff has fled away so because i look for the resurrection because i look for something that's to come you know death which used to be uh like the worst thing in the world now what do we say about death where is your sting you know it's kind of flipping it or, or or adding that silver lining to things yeah and i think that perspective you know like adding that silver lining is what defines Christianity as, 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 as just a belief system in general is that, you know, there's a lot of other religions and belief systems that look at things from a negative perspective, you know, like, you know, like Buddhism is a great example. Hinduism is a great example where everyone will suffer. Everyone, um, will endure suffering. They have like, I forgot what it's called, but they basically have this list of things that they say people will suffer from. And it's just all they talk about. Um, and that's, that is kind of sad to think about, but in Christianity, it's, you know, it's, it's always that hope, mm-hmm. right? With a Christian without hope is not a Christian, right? Hope is what kind of, that is the, that is what Christianity is, is the hope in the resurrection, the hope in Christ's second coming, the hope in our sins being forgiven. And that hope, which comes from faith is so powerful and the people who I see that are the most spiritual in my life or the people who I see who are the most at peace, who are the most joyful, who, you know, really embody what Christ is, they have the most hope. You know, yeah. they put, they don't put their hope in princes and things of the earth, but they put their hope in God, right? They don't, you know, hope that the tax, taxes, tax rate falls down. They don't, you know, hope that, you know, pollution ends or 
whatever they want to climate change, whatever, but they hope that God is there and they hope that God, they know God is there and they hope that God is going to be there for them. Well, that's their hope, right? Exactly. And I think that's just, you know, what we need to do as Christians is to have that hope and sincerely believe in it instead of just being like, yeah, you know, God's there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, having your hope in Christ, I think it makes a huge difference in everybody's life. I think under having your hope in something that is like, like what I'm going to ask you a question. What would you say is the number one thing that people desire in life or that people want in life or in relation in relationships? Like a sense of belonging sense of okay. like love or something. Consistency, right? They want some, they want consistency. I think I could say that about myself. I think, would you agree with that? Yeah. I think that a lot of people want consistency. And if I'm going to chant, especially every day in these 50 days that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever, putting my hope in that, is going to give me that sense of peace and consistency that I think people naturally desire. If I under, if I believe that I'm created by somebody, then I believe that that creator has the power and, and had probably did create in me some sort of drive or some sort of intuition or some sort of desire for something that he only can fulfill. You see what I'm saying? Like if he created me and he created me to do what? To live with him or to, to commune with him, then I, logically, I, I understand or I believe or it, may, it would make sense that I have some sort of desire that can only be fulfilled by a relationship with him or commune with him. So putting that hope in something that is consistent is going to take you a long way. It's going to give you a, a, a lot, a lot of peace or give you, uh, or let you get through this hard time. Everyone's going to suffer. Like you said, and we said before, everyone's going to suffer. Everyone's going to have a horrible life. It doesn't matter who you are, but having that can hope in something that is consistent, I think is going to make you get through it a lot easier. And I really like your point about like the creator created us and put it intuition or drive, sorry, or drive, um, of, you know, something the creator could only fulfill in it. Like a, just a random story that popped in my head when you said that um, is Pinocchio. Very funnily enough, is okay. that Pinocchio was created to you know be this the, the son of the mm-hmm. the Giuseppe or something, whatever like the dude's name is. And when Pinocchio decided to not do that, you know, and started to lie and stuff, his nose got bigger, and he kind of felt like something was missing until mm-hmm. he had to go back and make up for all his wrong or I don't know really how the story goes, but. That type of thing. Right. Same thing with the prodigal son, which is a biblical example. Um, where it's, you know, even in our own lives, in our human to human relationships, right? If like we have some, like our parents, for example, like a lot of times, I know in my life, like there'll be times where you don't really want to talk to your parents. You kind of, you know, it's a very like high school thing. You kind of just want to get away from them or whatever. Yeah. But it's like over time you realize like there is no one who will, you know, have that parental love for me like my parents will there's no one who will satisfy that part of me like my parents will Mm -hmm. you know so if that's how it works on earth with our human relationships how much more would that desire for christ be and that love for christ be to like take it from a human level to a god level like how much more is that expounded and i think that that's just a very good logical you know example and reasoning for that so how exactly do you, you know, go about like having Christ in your daily life? 
Good question. Never heard that before. Uh, I think <laughs> sticking to the basics is a big thing. So, uh, like the Sunday school answers. So, like crossing yourself uh, before you leave the ha- house or crossing the house before you leave it or like putting the sign of the cross on a test or uh, whatever it might be. You know, it's the little things that the church gave us and that, that we see our parents, maybe our parents do or other people around us do that we think is like, oh, that's so archaic. Oh, that's so old. Oh, I, I don't care about that anymore, right? Some people might say that the church is overstructured or the church has too many rules or too many things to do. But I don't think any, I don't think that's true because it's that structure, it's those rules, it's those, um, you know, practices that really keep us going. It's, that's the kind of stuff that really makes a difference in your life, you know? Like, you're going to college soon? Yep. I bet your mom told you to call you every day, right? Right, because you're going to move yes, out? Yes, that's true. Yep. How'd I guess? So, she, she's telling you call you every single day. Yeah, it could be a great thing if you came home every weekend and you brought, like... I don't know, flowers and cheesecake or whatever it might be. She, yeah, cool. But you didn't talk to her through all the week. What do you think she would prefer? Like talking to her throughout the week. Right. It's the same thing. I could come to church every Sunday and I could dress up and I could dress deacon or I could do whatever. But I could, if I don't talk to her the whole week, I guarantee you that God would say, I prefer you to talk to me for one minute or two minutes every single day than to do this whole grand gesture and forget about me for the rest of the week. Because then how, like, how would your mom feel if you didn't talk to her the whole week and then you saw her for like one hour and you're like, all right, that's it. See you, see you next week. How would she feel? She'd feel like you didn't care. She's going to feel like, you know, you don't really care about her, um, that you're only doing it just to make her, you know, that you're just doing it to make appearance or whatever it might be. It's the same way. Like who gave you those feelings? Who gave her those feelings? It was God. And he has those same feelings, right? God is a jealous God. He's going to get jealous of you. And what you're spending your time doing and who you're talking to throughout the week. You know? It's the little things that, that make the big difference. Yeah, and it's like just like you just said, like God put those feelings in her. It's like, you know, it's a mirror. Our relationships on earth are like a mirror of what I don't know where I got that one from. It's like a mirror of what it's like in heaven. It's kind of like yeah. a combination of all the different relationships we have in, you know, one being. So Yeah, I think that's all me, you know. Thanks, Isaiah. Think so. It's great being here. Well, thank you guys for watching. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, turn on post notifications, and see you next week. Thank you.